Life Church. Thank you very much for the cheer a little while ago. And that was before you even know what I was going to say. So I feel really blessed. Thank you. It's a privilege to be able to stand up here and, and share with such amazing group of people today. I've really been looking forward to it. I thought just before I start, I'd tell you a little bit about myself because I don't know all of you too well. But I was born in a little town in South Africa called East London, funny enough. We also have a Bethlehem in South Africa. But I was born in a little town called East London. Um, I went to all-boys school. After school, I studied teaching in Port Elizabeth. So I'm a geography, biology, and phys ed teacher. Actually, the, the town that I studied in, Port Elizabeth, is where Jerry, me, and Becky are from. Um, and amazing that we've got so many of the same friends, but we'd never met each other until a few years ago. After studying teaching, I went back, I moved back to East London, and I taught for two years at the same school I attended, an all-boys school. And then I traveled to London in 1997 uh, to go and work in London for a bit, as we all do. And I was in London for nine years in total. I started off teaching and then um, got into education recruitment, where I started an education recruitment business, basically hiring teachers from South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and placing them in the UK. In 2005, I returned to South Africa, settled in East London again, before being offered a job in Durban, where in 2006, I married Taryn, um, my lovely wife, yay, and uh, we've since had two amazing children, Keegan, who's nine, and Amy, who is five, turning six in a few weeks' time. I was involved in a finance business in South Africa between 2005 and uh, 2012, and then I received a call from my old business partners in the UK asking if we'd want to come back um, and come and help them launch the national offices of the education recruitment business. So I decided to do that. We spoke as a family. We decided to come back over, and we didn't know where to stay because there were no offices yet. So we went, well, we need to stay in the middle of the country then because we can get everywhere from there. So we sort of went middle of the country, West Midlands. Um, it also happens to be the furthest place from any ocean for a poor surfer, which is difficult. But um, we settled in the West Midlands in Sutton Coalfield, and then we looked to find a church to start attending. We went to quite a few. And I must say, in September 2012, um, we got invited to come to Real Life Church. It was in the community center, and we arrived, and the congregation was about 30 or 40 at about that time. And within 20 minutes, probably halfway through worship, um, we, we just knew that it was the church for us. So, so proud for us to be able to say we are Real Life Church. It's been amazing to be part of the journey of the church and uh, amazing to stand up here and speak to you today. There's a story about a, about a boy, and he's watching his father, who's a pastor, prepare a sermon. And the little boy says to, says to his dad, Dad, how do you know what to say? And the father says, well, God tells me what to say. And the little boy says, well, Dad, why do you keep crossing things out then? Now, I hope that 
I'm not going to have to cross too much out today as I speak, um, but I have been dwelling on what Mel's been speaking about over the last few weeks, and it's about this Christmas series, and the, the topic of my talk today is the manger, but I've been thinking about the words Mel's been using. So she's been using reclaimed, reused, old made new, um, old things used in a different way, old pieces of wood. And I try to just dwell on that a little bit. So the first thing I did is I went and looked at the word reclaim, and it should pop up behind us. But the word reclaim in the dictionary is as follows, to get something back that someone has taken from you. It also means to improve an area of land that can be used, and it also means to obtain things that people have got rid of so they can be used again. So I love that. To take something back that someone has taken from you, or to obtain things that people have got rid of so they can be used again. I know God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I know that over 2,000 years ago, the relationship with man and God was lost through Adam and Eve in the garden. Mankind was unable to restore this relationship, but God had a much bigger plan. He had a plan to send his son Jesus to earth as a man to die on the cross and restore or reclaim a relationship that we had lost. We'd expect the son of God to come to earth born of a queen in a palace with a massive ceremony, would expect the best craftsman in the world to manufacture a crib adorned with gemstones and diamonds and gold. But God doesn't work that way because Jesus came to earth, born of a virgin in a little town called Bethlehem, and he was placed in a manger. And a manger is a feeding trough. It's a little wooden or stone feeding trough that was used to feed animals. So with the central topic of today's talk being the manger and tying into our Christmas series, I wanted to try and work out what to talk about today. And so I spent a bit of alone time with God and I said, Lord, speak to me about the manger. What can I say about a manger? Um, and as the kids are going to be learning the story of the three trees over the next couple of weeks, it was quite similar to just this picture that I had. I, I got this picture of a huge tree, and it was standing up, straight and tall, stem out, branches out, leaves out, all facing towards the sun. And this magnificent tree was growing up towards the sun. And then along came a lumberjack, and this massive, amazing tree, God's creation, was cut down. And it was chopped down, all the branches were cut off, the tree was cut into loads of little pieces, and it was split up, and some of those pieces of wood were carved up, and a carpenter took them, and he created a manger, a little wooden manger, which was put away in a barn, insignificant little barn in the middle of nowhere, feeding animals, I'm sure insects and bugs ate away at that manger over the years. Animals would have destroyed parts of it. Not a shadow of what God had created it to be, which is this unbelievable, beautiful big tree. But then one day, a couple came along 
They went into the manger and they gave birth to a little boy. And they took this boy and they put him in the manger. And all of a sudden, this broken, battered, weathered little piece of wood that seemed insignificant held the Savior of the world, held Jesus Christ, and presented the Savior to mankind. So I went, God, okay. Fantastic about a manger. How does this apply to me? And I felt these words, you are a manger. A little bit of a double take, you are a manger. I spent time on that, and I thought about it. And you know, I grew up in a, in a home, and my mom went to church regularly. I used to go to church. And there I was, this boy growing up into a man, reaching out to the sun, this time Jesus. And then life comes along as we grow up. And I went to university, and you start drinking, and behavior starts um, eroding a bit. And life comes and starts chopping you down, doesn't it? And life came and chopped me down, and we went through loads of things. Moving to London was difficult. Um, I went through a divorce, went through a failed business. Um, and life comes and essentially moves you to a place where you no longer resemble that tree. You no longer resemble that amazing creation that God wants you to be. But there was a time when God came along in my life, during Alpha and a process after that, where God took me and said, I'll take you back and I'll reclaim you, just as I took that little manger, because I had a plan for it and I've got a plan for you. And I hope that as God's taken me and changed me and refined me, that I too can be a manger that reflects the image and the presence of Jesus when people look into me. You see, because those little shepherds, they came along and they looked in the manger. They didn't see a battered wooden little feeding trough. They saw Jesus Christ staring back at them. And we hope that we go through a process where God changes us, that when people look at us, they see a reflection of Jesus in us because it's him in us, the hope and glory. Amen. Um, so God definitely does use very ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We often look at the stained glass windows and we think about how amazing those people are in the stained glass windows. But you know, sometimes we've got to take them down and realize that they were normal people that God came alongside and he did extraordinary things through them. One of the greatest lines in the entire Bible is when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, Mary, you are going to fall pregnant supernaturally and you are going to have a son, and he'll be called Jesus. And Mary would have said, but I'm a virgin, that's impossible. And Gabriel said this, Luke 1, 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. People and events considered so ordinary by the world as to be worthless, God used to accomplish his greatest purpose. I've tried to take this whole story then and process it into a very simple three R's. And I'd like to call them reclaim, refine, and reflection. First of all, it's about God taking something that is lost and reclaiming it to himself. Secondly, it's about God refining and changing an object into something that allows it to glorify him and be used in a new way. 
And thirdly, reflection is that when we look into that object, we see the image of Christ and the reflection of God's glory. All throughout Scripture, we see that God is doing very improbable things for improbable people, so his purposes and his glory are achieved. We look at Moses. Moses was out in the desert, and God came along through the burning bush. Moses was shy, not really a good speaker, but God plucked him out of the desert and took him into Egypt, and Moses led his people to freedom out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, and ultimately to the doors of the Promised Land. We also look at David. David was a young shepherd boy. He killed a lion and a bear defending his sheep. But one insignificant day, taking sandwiches to his brothers on the front line, David was presented with Goliath. And everyone else was cowering, and David stepped up. And we all know the story so well that David defeated Goliath became the greatest babysitter the world has ever known because he rocked Goliath to death, to sleep. Messed up my joke, didn't I? He rocked... Should we try that again? He rocked Goliath to sleep. Um, And he went on to be one of the greatest kings that Israel has known. So God is looking to birth amazing things in people who have a dream, who who are saying, Lord, I have a dream and I trust that you have that same dream for me. So come alongside me and let's walk through this journey together. He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So I'd like to go back to the manger and I'd like to go back to this word reclaim and start off with the first one. Because ordinarily we are dead through sin but we are extraordinarily made alive through the death of Christ on the cross. When he rose again, our sins were forgiven and all who believe in him will have eternal life. So I'd like to look at the first one, which is reclaim. And I'd like to do it by painting a little bit of a picture using some poetic license, if I can, um, to put a story across. But can you imagine John the Baptist? He's standing down at the Jordan River in the desert, and a lot of people are coming along because he's baptizing people. <coughs> Excuse me. And the first person comes along, and John's standing there, and he says, What's your name, please? And the guy says, Richard. So John writes, Richard, down on a label. He says, What's your sin, Richard? He said, um, I've stolen quite a few things in my life. So he says, Thief. And John puts a label on Richard, says, Richard, can you please go and stand over there? Somebody else comes along, he says, what's your name? James. What's your sin, James? He says, I've killed someone. John writes, murderer. Puts a label on James. This could get interesting. Next person comes along, says, what's your name? Alexis. Alexis, what's your sin? He says, I slept with my brother's husband. He says, adulterer. Puts a label on Alexis. And then another person comes along and says, what's your name? He says, Kevin. Kevin. What's your sin, Kevin? He says, I speak so badly about my friends and my family. He says, slanderer. Puts a label on Kevin. He says, go and wait over there. And then someone comes along 
He says, what's your name? Jesus. He says, what's your sin, Jesus? He goes, none. John says, none? He says, none. And with that, Jesus walks over to this group of people. And he says, Richard, give me a label. He says, James, give me a label. Puts it on himself. Alexis, label. He says, Kevin, give me a label. And then he takes everyone's label. He says, Ali, give me a label. Stu, your label, please. You get my picture? And not only does he do that, but he holds all time in his hands. So you know that Jesus reaches back to Adam and Eve, the start of it all. And he says, Adam, give me your label. And then he looks at the last person who's ever going to be born on this earth. And he says, give me your label. And he stands there. And he has the whole of time in his hands from Adam to the last person who's ever lived. And he holds every single label from every person. And you know, he goes to the cross. And on the cross, he said, it's finished. And in that moment, he reclaimed every single person from Adam to the end who believes in him. And the relationship that was lost with God was restored in a moment through Jesus' death on the cross. Once reclaimed, our job doesn't stop there because God wants to use us in a mighty, mighty way. He wants us to be part of his big story, little ordinary you and me in God's big story. Sometimes, small churches like the little real life that we joined and even us now growing are so limited in what they believe they can achieve because of their size. And they let circumstances limit how amazing they can be. And it reminds me of a story. I think we need to have a real amazing vision. There's a story of a man who does really well in the kingdom. And the king comes to him and says, you've done really well. Why don't you mark out what you want in the kingdom and I'll give it to you. So the man takes a stick and he draws a circle around him. And the king says, is that all you want? Just the little bit that's in your circle? And the man says, no, I want everything that's outside of my circle. And what I love about this church is a small little church with an amazing big heart and a big reach. The Boldmere High Street, the um, Sutton Fun Run, all the incredible things we do. This afternoon, Messy Christmas, it's a church drawing a line around this building and saying, God, give us everything outside of this building. That from a Monday to Friday, when we go away into our community, into our workplaces, we're carrying the presence of God out. So a reclaimed people taking God's message out into our community. 
Because little pigeons carry the message too. Small pots cook as well as big ones. And little dogs can also bark at a thief. Are you ordinary? Good. Because God can use you. The second one we're going to go on to is refine. Because once we have given our life to God, he starts a process in us, a process of refinement, a process of change. We spoke about it in youth the other day. We spoke about sanctification, this process of becoming more Christ-like. And God starts this process in us. It's not always comfortable. It's difficult as God chips and refines and removes things from our life that he doesn't want in there. Some quotes which I just wanted to read out to you. All these quotes are by someone called Robin Bertram. The fires of refinement will shine the light of Christ into the dark places of our hearts, burn off the chaff, and restore us to a state of greater purity. Out of the fires of refinement come the praise of his magnificence, the brilliance of his glory, and the honor of his precious Son, Jesus Christ. And the last one, the fires of refinement come with a cost, but also with a promise. His grace has been extended forth to you for restoration, confirmation, strengthening, and being established in him. He's refining us, he's teaching us, and he's drawing us away from ourselves and closer to him. God knows exactly how much heat you can take in the changing process. And he certainly won't let you be scorched. You know, the, the process of the ancient refiner that used to refine silver, it's a very common story, but the refiner of the silver would know that it's fully refined and pure when he could gaze into the silver and see the reflection of his face in the silver. And as long as there was, um, as long as it was murky, or as long as there was slag still in there, he had to maintain the refining process by turning up the heat and refining and continually removing the slag until he could gaze in and he could see a real good reflection of his face. And I guess that's what God's doing, isn't he? God, is, God takes our life and he changes us and he, he shows us things in our lives that we need to change, that we need to get rid of. He shows us things that we need to change to become more and more like his son, in the image of his son, that eventually when God looks into us, he sees the image of his son Jesus looking back at him. So when those shepherds came along and they looked into the manger and they saw the image of Jesus looking back at them, God gets us to a point where when our friends and our family and the people that look at us, they see a reflection of Jesus in our lives, that we can glorify him through who we are becoming in him. During this process, though, sometimes it is tough. Um, it reminds me of a story when we were in South Africa. So I've, we, we've got two cats and a dog, and our oldest cat is 10. We brought them all over from South Africa with us. We didn't have the heart to leave them behind. But our oldest cat, his name is Diesel, and um, they're pretty good hunters. Coming from South Africa, they, they're quite good. The things that they brought inside in South Africa were horrific. We had snakes. They brought snakes in, rats, birds, whatever they could find. But in the UK, mostly it's just small rats, so we, we're okay. But the one day in SA, um, Diesel brought this, this little bird into the house, which was a bit damaged. So I took the bird, took it outside, and as you do, 
I threw the bird up in the air and it didn't fly. It was quite a long fall down. Anyway, I picked the bird up and uh, I phoned my dad. He used to breed birds and I said, what, what chance does this little bird have? And he said, well, not much. Um, why don't you just put it outside and let nature take its course? But I didn't have the heart to do that, so I, um, I got some porridge. And every now and again, over the, the next two days, I fed this bird porridge. And eventually, it didn't dust you. <laughs> eventually, what happened was, this little bird got stronger, and we took it after two days, and I threw it up in the air, and the bird flew away. Amazing story. I don't know if it was one of the ones that Diesel brought in a few days later or not, but that one flew away. Um, Now, you see, I guess this little story just reminds us that sometimes life clips our wings. Sometimes we forget how to fly. Um, And the joy of community, the joy of life groups, the joy of our friends is that sometimes when we can't fly, when we're a little bit damaged, when life has knocked us a bit, sometimes people take us in. They have to feed us for a bit, feed us God's word, help us to get strong again, help get us to a point where we can fly again, and God can then use us, and we can get back into what he's calling us to do. The two great verses, 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says, So comfort and encourage each other. And 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other to build each other up, just as you're already doing. So we have been reclaimed, and now we go through this process of being refined, which is tough. God chips things off our lives that sometimes we don't need there. Sometimes it's painful, but we're in a community. We have friends. We have life groups. We have people there to support us to walk the journey with us that we can get into a greater relationship with God, understand who we are in God. The third one is reflection. And what does this look like? So when the shepherds came along, as I've mentioned, they looked into the manger and they saw the reflection of Christ, this little old wooden trough that had been used by God to display his son to the world. And it's the same with us. So do your friends and family, do they look at you and see someone who is a shadow of their former self, is a shadow of the person God wants you to be? Do they see somebody damaged, weather-beaten, going through pain? Or do they see an ordinary person with a past, sometimes painful, that has been refined and transformed and renewed into someone who can carry the very presence of God and reflect the very presence of, of Jesus out of our lives. So don't think that only a manger could hold Jesus, because you do too. We're ordinary in the hands of the extraordinary. And I believe that some of us need to say that softly to ourselves. I'm I'm extraordinary. I'm ordinary, but I'm extraordinary in the hands of an almighty God. I believe some need to whisper it and some need to declare it and really let it sink in to our hearts.
I'm going to start bringing this to a close because um, I believe there's a message for us individually, which is that God reclaims, that God refines, and we get to a point of reflection where God releases us into the things that he's called us to, and we start reflecting God in our lives. How will you know them? You'll know them by their fruit. But I also believe that there's a message here for us as a church, us as a community, as Real Life Church. And that's where I want to potentially take this to an end. Um, I did ask permission very late in the game um, of Philippa Yates, who does amazing creations with reclaimed wood. I like the hashtag, hashtag reclaimed wood. And I wanted to show you what Philippa does. Um, and some of her creations are amazing. Um, so they're two examples. Um, you have a voice, are valuable, have a purpose, are important, are unique, and you matter. But you know, that's all created out of old wood. Potentially pallets that have carried a heavy burden, that have cracked, that have broken. And when Philippa takes these pieces of wood, she doesn't see a broken, battered, weather-beaten old piece of wood. She sees a piece of wood that can be refined, changed, renewed, and put together in an amazing piece that can go into someone's home and shout affirmation and words of glory to God of people's walls and in people's lives. I wanted to show you a little zoomed up view of, um, of one of Phil's creations. So if we have a look at, at a little zoomed up view, um, we can see all the little pieces of wood put together, all different all have their peace, all have their place, the words, it's all about Jesus, God so loved the world, and probably my favorite little piece is, you see the little one in the bottom at the middle, it's the smallest little piece of wood, it's about this big, and it's got its little spot, and the smallest little piece of wood has the word large on it, and I love the fact that this little piece of wood stuck in the bottom just beams out large. Just says I'm large. So um, amazing. Um, I want to bring this to us as a community now. If I can ask my amazing assistants to come forward. Um, what you're seeing a part of on the screen is actually um, part of a much bigger picture, which I'm going to show you. Very heavy, so we need loads of people. For those in the congregation that weren't with us at, uh, at the community center, you might not have seen this. This might be new to many of you. Thanks, lads. But this essentially is a real-life church board. There's my little friend, Large. <laughs> Bottom corner, he's got his place. 
Now, us as a community, us as a church, we're a whole bunch of people with a past, damaged, weathered. We've all got our stories, but we've come together, everyone with a past, but all with an amazing future as a group of believers that have come together as Real Life Church. And when we look at this board, we've probably got, this is probably you and and Mel, Stu, right in the middle, where it all started, and you know the, all the guys that travelled up with you are probably really close. And you know, as the story of Real Life Church gets bigger and bigger, so more pieces will be added. But every single piece has its place, no matter how big, no matter how small. Every piece of wood that was potentially damaged ended up on a on a heap, a pallet broken, cracked under a heavy load, restored, put in its place, words of affirmation, glorifying God. And I guess it's just a real picture. Thanks, guys. Do you want to go down and I'll, I'll drop it down to you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Cheers, Mike. It's pretty heavy, isn't it? So I guess, as we look at the board, um, community is so important. And I think today, hopefully, we've looked at an individual process where God speaks to us individually. He takes us, he calls us, he reclaims us, he refines us, and then he uses us to glorify him. So we all have our individual story and our individual journey But also I hope that we understand how the community works, where God takes us as a group of people, all with our own pasts, all with our own damages, all with our own stories, and he works in us corporately to glorify him and to send a message to everywhere outside the line that we've drawn around this building. So I guess my question to you is, are you happy to allow your past to form part of your future in displaying the amazing, transforming power of God and allowing your life to point people to the cross. God's got an amazing plan for your life. He had a plan for your life before one day came to pass. It says in the Bible, He knit you together in your mother's womb and knew every day of your life before one of them came to pass. I believe God hasn't lost control for one single second And I believe he has an amazing plan and purpose for us individually and for us corporately as Real Life Church. I hope none of you are sitting there thinking, oh, it's too late for me. Um, I'm reminded of the story where Lazarus was sick and Lazarus' family sent a message to Jesus and said, Lazarus is sick. You need to come. And Jesus took quite a while to get there and Lazarus died. But you see, I don't believe Jesus was interested in a healing when he could show a resurrection. Because by him arriving late, he walked in and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And instead of a healing, we saw a resurrection. So it's never too late. It's never too late for you. It's never too late for God. And maybe... 
God doesn't want to see a healing in your life. Maybe he wants to see a resurrection, a complete transformation in your life. Um, Christianity is not just about being saved and going to heaven. It's about unlocking the purpose and plan for your life and walking into the destiny that God has called you to. It's not a positive outlook on life. It's a partnership with the creator of heaven and earth to become part of his great story. And the challenge is, are you happy to be a manger in the hands of God, holding and delivering a message of hope and freedom to all mankind and people that you touch in your daily lives? Are you happy to be ordinary in the hands of an extraordinary God? It's a big challenge, amazing story, and I think it is one that we need to respond a bit to. So just in a minute, if I could invite the, the worship team to start making their, their way back up. And as we just reflect on what we've heard today, we reflect on this on the season that's ahead of us, um, the season where where we do believe that God wants to reclaim parts of Christmas. He wants to point people to Him at Christmas time. All too often, we get so excited in the wrapping, we forget the present. And at this time of the year, there's so much wrapping. There's lights and there's shopping and there's busyness all over. But ultimately, there was a present. And that little present came to us in a wooden feeding trough many, many years ago. And then he grew up and he became the Lion of Judah that we sang earlier. And he went to the cross and he reclaimed every single one of us who believes in him. And then he refined and now he wants to reflect and use us in his amazing story. So I'd like to essentially um, call for a few responses today if, if there has been something placed on your heart. And the first is, I guess, if, if you feel God has touched your life and you haven't really responded to him and you haven't said, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to know what it's like to be a Christian. I want you to reclaim me. I believe that that's something you can respond to today. I believe it is. Um, it doesn't have to be something massive. It doesn't have to be you know, you standing up in your seat, but certainly during our praise and worship time, it might just be you coming to the front, speaking to someone and saying, that's really touched me today. I would like to find out what it's like to become a Christian. I would like to understand what it's like to be reclaimed by God. might even just be you speaking to somebody next to you um, if you feel that that's more comfortable. The second is, um, I believe that if you have been reclaimed, you've given your life to God, and you're going through that process where the refiner is really turning up the heat, and he's removing stuff out of your life. And there are things in your life that you're really struggling with, but you know they've got to go. And you want someone to pray with you today about getting rid of those things, bringing an end to something that is 
muddying the waters a little bit and preventing you from reflecting the glory of God, again, I'd invite you to come to the front during worship. Come for prayer. Come speak to somebody. And then lastly, I think, is if you're someone who knows you're in the hands of an amazing God and you're a bit lost and a bit rudderless and you know there's a purpose for your life but you haven't quite found it or settled on it and you just want God to reveal that to you a little bit more and you want to pray that prayer which is answered every time. God, use me. If you want to pray that prayer, God, use me. And you just want somehow some direction. You want God to speak to you. Also pray that you'll respond today. And I trust that it'll just be an amazing time where just the presence of God can rest on your life. In Jesus' name. Can we just pray very quickly? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for the manger. We thank you for the transforming power that you have to take a lowly little piece of wood and transform it into a cradle that held the presence of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. We thank you that you died for us on the cross, that we too could be reclaimed and our relationship with God restored. We thank you that we form part of your amazing story as individuals, but as a community of believers in Real Life Church. And we pray that you draw alongside us individually and corporately and you speak to us and you minister to us in a mighty way. We commit this day to you and this week to you. And we pray all things in the name above every other name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.